Does Randy Brown just hit the floor like a Star Wars ATAT being <laughs> taken down? Welcome into Tapping Vegas, everybody. Our units are so juiced up right now. Our bank accounts are getting tested. We're pissing hot over here. Happy red panty night for Tapping Vegas. Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. Guys, we're going to make some more money again. Bobby, 40 units on the year so far and four units just last week. So how are you feeling, man? Feeling good. Last card a few weeks ago, so it's been a while. It was on January 20th. Shout out to Sean Woodson for moving our units up with that unanimous decision victory over Charles Jordan. Uh, the other fights were a little dicey, but you know what? You can't always win them all, but we still do better than your other average MMA content creators who are still ahead of the pack, still posting our records. Those other guys and girls don't. So keep following along, and you'll keep getting those red panty nights. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We got five fights for you that we're really excited to talk about. Our first one is a women's fight. We got Meatball Molly McCann versus Diana Belbita. The Warrior Princess. Don't worry; these uh, these names do get better the further down we go. Um, this, Bobby, we're starting off with my Nuck If You Buck fight of the night. Ooh, this is the Nuck of the Buck. That's interesting. Or I I have a reason for this too. Molly is coming off of back to back losses right now. Um, she's already beat Belbita before. She's an upper body fighter. She's not going to kick you. She's not going to do any of that type of stuff. She's going to take abuse. She's a warrior, but she's got some KO power too. Belbita, um, she can use all three phases of the game. She can use striking, kicking. Um, she can even do submissions and some grappling. Is she going to be able to against Molly? I don't think so. She's got fast punches, but they are weak elbow punches, boy. I was watching her tape. She gets on top and starts punching like this. <laughs> no wind up or nothing just from the elbow just from the elbow i it looked like what a child would do um she's good at passing guard but like that's the only thing i could uh get good from her she's not great at anything um i i really don't think she's that good of a fighter who's she beating nobody i i think molly wins this one uh knuck if you buck it might be a, a quick night i can see molly getting the ko what do you think about this one I'm off meds on this fight. I've waffled. I've schizoed on it so many times, violently just back and forth, because as we were talking about before we started recording, you just never know what's going to happen in women's MMA. You just never know. You think you got it figured out. You think you know who's going to win, and then some craziness happens. And Molly McCann is kind of like a perfect example of that because – Back in my article writing days, the last time I talked about Molly McCann was when she fought Julia Storyarenko. And in that article, I'll own up to my to my L on that and say I was heavily encouraging you to put your money on Meatball Molly because she was fighting in London. Her and Patty were on the same card, I believe. You know, Molly's British, Patty's British. They always try to give the British fighters when they go to the UK on these London cards give them easy gimme fights to, you know, get the home crowd all riled up and excited. So I was, you know, thinking she was a lock against Storyarenko and she got viciously armbarred in the first round. So that leads us to something very, very interesting. As uh, Ben just said, Belbita is a grappler who is going to look to press that advantage in this fight. I'm kind of 
once again, waffling on this because while I do think ordinarily McCann does have the grappling advantage, I just watched her last July get armbarred by what was supposed to be the inferior grappler in the first round. And I also watched Meatball Molly do like a day one white belt mistake where instead of trying to escape from the armbar attempt, she rolled into the armbar attempt and made it worse yeah. and applied more pressure to her own arm instead of trying to escape the situation. And so that kind of left me scratching my head a little bit confused. But once I look at the odds that I have on DraftKings, Molly McCann by a sub is a plus 700. For her to win by KO, TKO, DQ is a plus 400. The only thing that you're losing money on is a minus 105 if you pick Meatball Molly by decision. If you just take the money line, you're not going to be very profitable because she's a minus 258 and Belbita is a plus 10. If you do Belbita by KO, TKO, you get plus 1,200. If you do sub, you get 1,400. I do agree. I think this is probably going to be a finish. Somebody's going to get finished. It's just I, I waffle back and forth, but... You know, I guess uh, I guess I'll go Meatball Molly by the plus 400 KOTKO. It yeah. really is difficult. I really feel like I had it figured out, but women's MMA is unpredictable, and you're always surprised by honestly how bad it is and how it still unfortunately has many years to catch up to men's divisions except for strawweight. Strawweight's pretty decent. Every other division's barren and dead, and you know that as fans. But – I mean, if you're going to give me a plus 400 on Molly McCann and I have to watch the equivalent of like a turd sandwich versus a giant douche battle it out in the octagon, I guess, you know, plus 400 is pretty good odds. Meatball Molly does have some pretty nice, impressive, uh, you know, first round or second round spinning elbow finishes on other cans. Belbita's looking like a can. Yes. Uh, the UFC definitely has an investment in Meatball Molly and trying to get her to stick around in the UFC, if nothing else, to put her corpse on those London cards. And, you know, the Patty Pimblett relationship that she's fought to cultivate, that her career is hanging on by a thread from his coattails. So based on all these factors, sure. Meatball Molly plus 400, I think that's a really great value for a fight that should be very whelming. Absolutely agree, man. I think that we're seeing eye to eye on that one. Uh, you're making me nervous. I thought you were going to take Bell Beat. I'm glad you didn't. But getting into this next fight, it's real Slav hours. Real Slav skills on the ground squad. <laughs> real Slav hours indeed. So, yeah, we got Mahmoud Muradov, and he is going to be facing Aliskab Kazriv. This one was hard because I couldn't find much information on Ali Skabab Kazriv. Mahmoud Muradov is a guy who, he's an Uzbeki, uh, Kazrov's Russian. Uh, I like how Mahmoud Muradov was able to beat Brian Barbarena uh, last July. Yeah, it was a unanimous decision, but Brian Barbarena, even though he's a little bit past his prime, he's always a good like litmus test in the division. To like see if you can beat him, he's a good gatekeeper to kind of see where your potential is, a good gauge for you. So it was good that he was able to beat him, but he's had you know some issues like before that fight, before the Barbarina fight, he had fights canceled, you know, three fights canceled, lost a unanimous decision. Gerald Mearshart choked him out in round two. You know, the guy's not bad, but he hasn't exactly been you know a world beater. 
He's been around since 2019, but only has, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. This would be his seventh fight overall in the UFC. So kind of inactive. Once again, a lot of canceled fights have led to that. So not necessarily his fault, but still uh, tough fight. Tough fight because, you know, he goes to decision a lot. Uh, had a lot of the finishes in his, you know, amateur, you know, regional circuit uh, tenure. But one of those guys, as we, as we have mentioned before, hasn't necessarily translated to the UFC. You know, it's kind of hit or miss. He's not as strong of a finisher in the UFC as he was on the regional scene. But he does have a nice overhand right win over Trevor Smith from 2019. And a really good flying knee and punches uh, finish over Andrew Sanchez, who Andrew Sanchez is a guy I was pretty high on since his time on the Ultimate Fighter with uh, Khalil Roundtree and Phil Halls and those those individuals. So that was pretty impressive. But this is a tough fight because of the lack of information, kind of the lack of tape out there on uh, on Kizreev or whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, Kizreev. <laughs> God, these Russian guys and their ridiculous names. But I kind of like the edge that Muradov has in terms of uh, the UFC experience, uh, a lot of the overall fight experience that he has. I do believe he has just more fights in general. Yeah, 26-8 and record for Mahmoud Muradov to 14-0 and for Kiz Reeve. So it's great that he's undefeated. Obviously, he's riding that high of being a young undefeated guy. But maybe this would be a situation where that vet edge and that vet experience kind of wins out and that UFC edge because at plus 124 for Mahmoud to a minus 148 for Kizreev, that's pretty interesting. Uh, if you want to go Mahmoud by KO, TKO, you're looking at a plus 350. By sub, you're looking at a plus 1600. By decision, you're looking at plus 350. Because uh, Reeve is a plus 400 for KO, TKO, plus 300 for sub, plus 275 for decision. Just based off the lack of information, this is what's leaning me to pick Mahmoud in this fight until I kind of start to see more from Kiz Reeve and kind of familiarize myself with his game, I guess you could say. I like Mahmoud, especially even if you just want to play it safe and take the money line at that plus 124. But I really like how you get a good payout for a decision at plus 350. So I think that's where my money would go is on decision by, by plus 350 for Mahmoud. Because, yes, he has some finishes, but they're not really, uh, I guess, consistent. So since he's kind of spotty, I, I like to just kind of play it safe on this particular fight when I'm not really too familiar with all the ins and outs of things that are going on, which is a rarity for me to play it safe. But – Plus 350 decision, Mahmoud Maradolf. That's where I'm going. What about you, Ben? Bobby, you were about to learn about Zivrayev on Saturday, my friend. The man is delivered. <laughs> so he has, <laughs> look at Zivrayev. Takedown is what he wants to do. He just wants to take you down and ground and pound you to TKO. He's not even trying to knock you out on your feet. He just wants to take you down and bash your head in. Um, he's got a great, safe wrestler. He, he, Takes shots when he's close. He doesn't dive for anything. I love that to see out of guys. Ben Askren, I mean, rest in peace after him diving in. Um, the only thing is that he can get sloppy when he gets on top. If he gets you down with that takedown or, you know, he's just passing you by and you go down, he's going to try to just jump on top of you and start hammering away and not kind of the intricacies of body control and making sure he's got his weight on you first. He just kind of goes for, after your head, try to get you out right then. Um 
Murdov, interesting, uh, his backstory. I guess his dad got injured when he was really young, like 15, so he had to start working. And through his MMA career, he ended up being security. So he would get shot and stabbed multiple times throughout his time as a security guard. Um, <laughs> also to make money, dude did softcore. <laughs> I did hear that. I did hear that he was a softcore performer. I I mean, no. I, way to go for you guy <laughs> if you're taking right. that. Um, dude's all over the place, though. Like, when I'm watching him fight, he, he does the same thing as Rive does, where he just goes after the kill, but his isn't just when you're down. I think he'll go after you, and he'll start swinging away, and if you aren't dazed, you can catch him. And that really worries me. Uh, he can't pass guard either. I was watching just fight after fight after fight. If anybody's on their ground, uh, they just got their legs up and they're just kicking him away. And he keeps trying to get past. He's just trying to like punch you in the face while he's standing at such a distance. He's just trying to dive in at your face and then just stands back up. That really worries me. Uh, he's strong. Very powerful, fast punches. But I actually I have Zvryev winning this. And I think he gets the TKO. Zavrayev, I mean, dude, what I saw from him, I was impressed. Yeah, interesting. I was not able to find too much. Uh, that's on me, though. Uh, I'll own up to that. But all those things considered, let me pull the odds back up again then, since you said KOTKO instead of a sub, since he does primarily look for the sub and he has two sub finishes from Contender Series, right? Was it two subs or one sub finish from Contender Series? I can look it up real quick. He has... Kizreev? Yeah. He has... Kizreev, yeah. Kizreev, yeah. Um, two. He got a rear naked choke. and or They're both rear naked chokes, actually. Oh, so yeah. So what do you think, then, with Kizreev... At plus 400 by KOTKO or plus 300 for sub, which one would you go? See, he could absolutely get the sub, but I think Murdov is just, I think he's going to be too good. And I don't think that, I don't think that Kazraev will get in position for the sub. I think it's one of those guys he's going to want to finish him early because you're looking at him, Kazraev. Uh, if you just look at pictures side by side, you would think that Murdov would kill him because this dude is he's a little right. flabby. He's he's the Russian version of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I don't think he wants it to go the distance. This fight's ended in the first and in the second, two minutes into the second. So I think he's just going to want to end it. I don't think he can get in position for the sub. So I think he's just going to try to bash his head in. All right, cool. Good analysis. Yeah, just wanted to pick your brain on that one since there's actually surprisingly pretty good odds on both of those, which one you'd lean to if you were kind of, you know, on the hot seat, about to place the bet, waffling back and forth. Yeah. You know, where you'd go with up. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Getting into another one, we've got Randy Brown versus Muslim Selikov. Uh, Russian heavy car, by the way, today, guys. Yes, very um, much. Randy Brown, he's a sub seeker, stands tall and eats it with his chin. Uh, he he's not one of the guys that kind of stays down like this. Stands up straight with his chin out. Um, open to calf kicks. We saw that. Um, oh, I forget who I was watching. One of his fights. Um, I think it was Arnold Allen. Was it, maybe? 
Uh, let me see if he's fought Allen. Because I was thinking Jack Jack Della Maddalena. It was one of the guys that we've done before. I can't remember who it was, but I mean, he was just destroyed him with calf kicks, and like to the point that he was having a hard time standing at the end. Um, he's he's not good or smart on his back either. I just like you were talking about McCann rolling the wrong way, and that is absolutely something that if you do it, it can end the fight. You can roll the wrong way, and then once they get that latched up, it's it's over. Got great head movement, so he's going to be hard to strike. Um, he baits opponents, so he's going to pretend like he's phased, or he's going to pretend like he's gassed, and then when you go up for the kill, that's when he gets you. Um, he gets gassed, though. He does get gassed. Right. At the very end of the fight that I was watching, I mean, the dude wasn't doing anything anymore. Um Poor defense, too. I don't think the guy, very def- strike defense, I don't think is very good. Um, and then looking at Salikov, the dude has lightning fast kicks. Like, his 360 kicks are unreal. Dude's smooth as butter. Um, he makes opponents look like what I felt, like they're in slow motion. The way he just yeah. catches their legs when they go for kicks or just... The, his transitions and defense is just so good and so fast. Either he's predicting it, he's one step ahead of them, or he's just really that fast at processing. Uh, great body control. Also, if he gets you down, he's going to actually stay on top of you and make you work for it. Uh, Salikov, pretty big underdog. Uh, pretty big age difference. He's almost 40 where Randy Brown's 33. Um Eight-inch reach advantage for Brown, too. Brown's the heavy favorite. Everything's pointing to Brown, but just what I saw, I'm going with Salikov. I'm going with Salikov either through the decision or the KO. I agree on this one 100%, and it's another one of those things. I'm going to keep coming back to it, not to sound like a broken record, but <laughs> you, you feel led into a trap because you think you know what's going to happen. Right. And sometimes it doesn't always work out that way type thing, but I like to affectionately call this fight the battle of unmet expectation because (laughs) here you have both guys who I vividly remember throughout my time of being a fan of the sport and following the UFC, Randy Brown, Muslim Salikov, both in their own right independently at various times have been hailed as like just what this division needs, like the next big thing in the division And you know, as well as I do, and the other fans out there know, for just as many of those guys out there that are the next big thing, the next Connor, Khabib, whatever, whatever, DC, John Jones, there's just as many guys who unfortunately just don't meet that potential. And unfortunately, that's kind of the case with both Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov. Neither one has really lived up to the hype that people have at various times generated for them. Randy Brown in particular sticks out in my memory because of uh, the guy I got a man crush on, Jack Della Maddalena, like viciously, basically like finished the dude twice in one fight, like viciously laid him out with a right hand, like a straight right, I believe it was, that had him collapse like comically. Like only James Vick collapses when he's knocked out more comically than Randy Brown in MMA. Because Randy Brown just hit the floor like a Star Wars ATAT being <laughs> taken down by like a rebel snow speeder. And then you're like, oh, the the fight should probably be called, but the ref's reading his grocery list. And so Jack just like spider monkeys 
takes the back, chokes him out. He's like, all right, you're not going to call the fight because the dude's knocked out. I'll choke him out too to boot. All in round one. All in round one. Vicious loss. Um, his last fight, he did win last June 2023 against Wellington Terman by unanimous decision, but that's not doing much for me. I'm not a believer in Wellington Terman. He's not a good fighter. I mean, you look at his record, he hasn't really beaten anybody, and I'm not trying to get too much into MMA math, but he just doesn't stand out to me to justify all the hype he's, he's received. You know, Francisco Trinaldo, Chaos Williams, Jared Gooden, Cowboy Alex Oliveira, Worley Alvarez, Brian Barberina, but the guy has just also had vicious loss. Like Nico Price was the first guy to kind of turn him into a meme where that was like one of the rare – Okay, Randy Brown has top position, dominant grappling, you know, had Price in a very compromising position up against the fence, and Price knocks him out from bottom. Like, I think that was one of only three KO from bottom finishes in UFC history, let alone, you know, like the whole sport as a MMA in general. It's just something you don't see very often. He fell victim to it, and stuff like that is just very concerning to me. And, yeah, you're spot on about Muslim Salikov. They don't call him the king of kung fu uh, for no reason. That's literally his nickname. But, once again, unmet expectation. Why are you losing to strikes against Li Jingling? Li Jingling's a great gatekeeper, but he's not the upper echelons of the welterweight division. Why are you losing a unanimous decision to Nicholas Dalby? You know, no hate towards these people, but they're not that top-tier talent that you're billed to be. He's also beaten Francisco Trinado. That doesn't do it for me. Ricky Rainey doesn't do it for me. You know, the guy has been in the UFC for a long time, but I mean, he's been in since 2017, but has had so many fights canceled that he's only actually fought in the UFC one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. This would be his 10th fight since 2017. It's just not there. So it's tough, but. Owing to the fact I see time and time again from Nico Price, Jack Della Maddalena, et cetera, et cetera, Randy Brown just get caught and finished in such outlandish Johnny Walker-style ways, I'm really enjoying and agreeing with Salikov at the money line of a plus 225. Randy Brown should not be as heavy of a favorite. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to call this my LL Cool J licking the lips pick, but it might end up being that way because I don't see how odds makers have this so drastically far apart. Minus 278 for Randy Brown is a bit ridiculous to me. This should be a way closer fight, just simply based off, unfortunately, how mediocre these two guys have been. It's not like one just drastically stands out over the other to this extreme of a position to have one as such a heavy favorite. And KOTKO DQ for Muslims plus 450, sub plus 2000, decision plus 550. Once again, Randy Brown's prone to being finished in wild ways. I'm going to be in agreement with you. I like Muslim uh, Salikov by KOTKO at a pretty juicy plus 450. We'll see if that ends up being the haymaker. It's looking tantalizing right now. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to be safe at the money line plus 225, once again, odds makes 
odds makers, I'm a little confused on how so far apart it is. I, it's just not really computing with me right now based off everything I've seen from these two guys, their records, et cetera. That's exactly what I think, Bobby. Like, you're looking at – when I watch the fight, I'm like, Salikov just looks better. But if you just look at stats and you're like, wow, Randy Brown's so much younger – He's four and one, whereas Muslim's three and two. He's got that eight inch reach. And then Muslim, his fighting style is Sanda, which isn't even Sambo, I didn't even know about. Sanda's like the Chinese version of Sambo. Everybody knows BJJ. Yeah. Everybody knows Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Randy Brown just, and then you see those odds, you're like, okay, that's, that's easy. Like, I should just right. go Randy Brown. Whereas a lot of the times you'll see like a minus 600 favorite and stuff. They're like, oh, wow. I, they feel like they're getting a value where I agree with you 100%. I feel like Salikov's the pick. Yeah, this isn't like one of those Bo Nickel fights where you're like, all right, I get it. I, I see why Bo Nickel's, uh, you know, minus 600 because he's fighting the guy who's literally an arborist, you know, <laughs> who just last week was cutting down the M tree that had ash borers in your yard or something. And, you know, now they pulled him out of like, you know, Tom's Diner MMA to to fight Bo Nickel to pump up his numbers. This this isn't right. one of those situations. This is one of those where, you know, experienced guys like uh, Ben and I are kind of looking at it. And once again, I don't know if it's my LL Cool J pick, but we're definitely looking at it, giving it that little side eye, like, hey, come here, girl. Like, this is a little tantalizing. <laughs> what's going on here? I agree, man. I agree. I'm also really interested in what you think about this next fight. So why don't you break it down? Ooh, this is a good one. This is uh this is probably my favorite fight on the whole card. The main event's good, but this one's really grown on me also in its own right. And it's Hanato Moicano versus Drew Dober. And this is the theme of the card, man. Like I'm waffling. It's very difficult to predict mm-hmm. these. It's difficult to kind of choose somebody and commit to them because we don't do like your other patty cake MMA channels. We give you a pick. We give you odds. We stand by it, win, lose, or draw. We don't back down. We don't make excuses. So everything we give you, we stand by 100%. We put our own money on, et cetera. And this one's tough for me because I've went back and forth so much because Hanato Morikano does seem on paper like what you would think the better fighter is. Like his record's better. He seems more polished in his striking. Seems like he has the grappling advantage, things of that nature. Drew Dober, I talk about these individuals in MMA all the time. We know what they're like. We've seen it. They've been around for a while. Can you teach an old dog new tricks type thing? That's kind of what Drew Dober is. He's another one of those guys where he has surprised me, though. Most of these guys and girls in MMA that I tell you, you know, can you teach an old dog new tricks? Are they going to show a new facet to the game? They haven't been able to, and there's a reason for it. Drew Dober, I'll give some credit to. He has, like, I didn't expect him, for example, to beat Terrence McKinney. When he beat Terrence McKinney, that showcased a lot of grit, a lot of determination. It was a comeback win. McKinney was on his way to finishing him. And then Drew Dober was able to turn around and get his own finish. And that's kind of started to skid for McKinney. So that was pretty impressive that Drew Dober was able to do that. And he was able to kind of put a damp uh, damper on the fire of Bobby Green that he had going there for a little while by KO and Bobby Green. But what concerns me is 
the story of Drew Dober, which is he does things like that. He'll break Bobby Green's hot streak. He'll, you know, break Terrence McKinney when he should have been broken himself. He'll beat Alex Hernandez by punches. He'll KO Nazrat Hackparast, who was a guy I was really high on in that division, who I thought might be the next big thing. But then he'll lose to Matt Frivola. No offense to Matt Frivola, but it's Matt Frivola. Like, you don't lose to Matt Frivola, especially getting finished in the first round by a TKO. And I know it probably wasn't an early stoppage because it was Herb Dean officiating, and Herb Dean will let you die before he stops the fight. The man's thinking about what, you know, Poontang he's going to come home to that night. He ain't worried about the fight anymore. He's got his check. He's done. So that's what concerns me about Drew Dober is for all these glimpses we see from him and his long career, because the man's 27 and 12. He's been in MMA for a long time. A lot of miles come with that. He's even been in the UFC for a long time. He's been in the UFC since 2013. And I like to think that that wasn't that far away anymore, but it's been a little bit of time, especially to be in MMA. And that's not his professional career as a whole. That's just UFC time alone that he's been in the game with all these fights, all this damage, all these miles. And while we talk about, hey, it gives you an advantage as the vet edge, the experience edge, the ring time, et cetera, et cetera, that does all help. I like that Morcano has like the fresh legs. He's 17-5, won no contest. I uh, believe he's the younger guy. Drew Dober doesn't seem like he's at – oh, it's he's only by a year. Him. Yeah, it's not, it's not drastic, but he doesn't have the miles. He hasn't been in as many wars. Like the biggest war he's had that I can think of off the top of my head, which is what makes me concerned about him, was he did have a war with RDA. I am concerned that in 2022, it was a great fight. It was an amazing fight. I watched live and it was exciting. But for RDA in 2022 to take you to that much of a dog fight as what should be the younger, fresher, better fighter concerns me. I do like how he choked out Brad Riddell in the first round. Brad Riddell, another story of a guy with a lot of promise, a lot of hype, a lot of potential, didn't live up to it. Unfortunately, might even be retired from the sport with how bad his career has kind of taken a toll in a negative way. But it's tough. It's tough. Morcano versus Dober is one of the hardest fights, I feel, on a card just full of hard-to-predict fights. But I'm also thinking about Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, viciously KO'd in 2019, Hanato Morcano in the first round. And I get 2019 was a while ago. People can change. They can get better. They can adapt. But MMA is a brutal sport. It's a brutal sport. In 2019, yeah, it's been a few years, but it's not that long ago. And the zombie, Korean zombie, should not have taken such a drastic nosedive in his career like he did since 2019 with that finish. So it's kind of got me a little concerned once again. For all the good Morcano does, that he was able to get taken out that quick, that fast by a guy who I thought was back, I thought was in his prime, and then just took a nosedive in Korean Zombie. So with the way the odds are on this fight, it just adds to how difficult it is because you got Morcano at a minus 185, Dober at a plus 154, Morcano by KO, TKO is a plus 700, 
by decision for Morikano is a plus four. If you go Dober by KO, TKO, it's plus 225. If you go Dober by sub, plus 2200. And if you go by Dober decision, plus 900. I don't think it's going to be sub. I think both guys are going to stand and bang. If it does get into the grappling department, I think Morikano kind of has a pretty decided edge there with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu advantage. And he does have you know, at least a few finishes uh, from like rear naked choke on his resume in the UFC, which really helps. Like he finished Demir Hadzovich by rear naked choke so first that he actually got pissed off. And then he confronted Demir about it. And Demir just said, well, you shouldn't have finished me that fast if you wanted to fight. It was kind of hilarious, <laughs> the interaction. So Morcano definitely has the BJJ grappling edge. I just don't think it's going to come to that. It's going to be a war, so it's either going to be decision or KO, TKO. Dober can be finished, but he does have a good chin. It, it does seem like it is hard to finish him, as Terrence McKinney found out. He can easily, just when you think you've got him up against the cage, about to be done, the fight's called. He turns it around, and it's like, you know, call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> it's tough. It's a very tough fight, but what it comes down to for me is – Moicano, I feel like, is the better fighter on paper, does have the better record, and has the most potential to – we haven't seen everything with him yet. Going back to what I started off this conversation with, I feel like we've seen what Drew Dober has to offer. And unfortunately, with as long as he's been in, as many fights as he's had in his career and in the UFC, I, I'm just – I think this is where he's at. This is his career. This is what it is. So I like Moicano. It's going to be 15 minutes. It's going to be three rounds. Uh, you know, since they've both been in some wars, I'm going to try not to get too giddy with the finishes because that hasn't worked out for me lately when I've done that. I'm going to take decision because both guys are hard to finish. Uh, no pun intended, even though we had a guy do soft core earlier. Uh, let's go plus 400 more Kano by decision. What are you thinking, Ben? You're saying about how he probably leads in a bunch of stats. Well, everybody that's seen the uh, screen knows he's leading in all stats for Stober. Um, Renato Moicano, he's an impressive dude. Good jab kick combo. Uh, he's not just reliant solely on his fists. Wants to stay standing. Um, he will do the takedown and he will use his BJJ. But like you were saying, I think they're going to stand and bang too. Um, not as much as McCann and, and uh Balbita, this was almost my knuck-if-you-buck fight. But I just think that both guys have uh, might take some more shots and takedowns in this fight, um, trying to get away from getting punched in the face for a little bit. Once somebody's on the ground, he just goes straight for that rear naked choke. Like, that is all Moikana looks for. He's good at it. Um, and he's had a long layoff is what concerns me. His last fight was November of 2022. Uh, so you were saying he's got fresh legs. He's got very fresh legs. Uh, Drew Dober, quick hands, very quick hands. He could take abuse uh, in that TKO when he got finished. That's It's definitely, you can argue if it was an early stoppage or not. Because he he hopped up and he looked fine. He wasn't wobbling a ton, I thought. But at the same time, if they don't call it, does he still get finished? Probably. You know, I mean, he was just taking so much punishment. He was already bleeding heavy. Um, 
but he's got serious KO power himself. Went to the third with Makachev, which I th- I was pretty impressed with. Um, Drew Dober, also most KOs in lightweight history. Yeah, dude's been around a while. He has. He has. I Renato's just got so much stuff going on, too. Like, shout out Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, right? Just gives <laughs> more distractions. Renato, he's got his podcast. He does a lot of stuff. I don't know. Um, he's definitely the more famous guy right now. I think Renato is, uh, and Drew Dober, he used to be super famous because yes, he was the giga Chad guy. He just shaved his beard. I'm going to take Drew- a hell of a jawline, <laughs> a hell of a jawline, dude. I'm going to take Drew Dober by decision at plus 900. I don't hate it. This is a tough fight, man. I Very tough another waffler. So I don't hate it at all. I don't blame you. It, it's tough. But once again, you know, one guy's going to win, one guy's going to lose. It's uh, not to be a philosophical like Nate Diaz. I know that's a common sense thing to say, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. Very tough. Absolutely it is, man. We're going to go on to the main fight of the night. We've got Roman Delize versus Nasruddin Imovov. Oh, I think this the last one was really hard. This one might be the hardest one for me. Because it's just, I can see the path of victory for both guys. Delize coming off a loss to number four, Vittori. He's got high knockout potential. He just outmuscles guys, but he's slow, man. He is very slow. Uh, Good grapple strike combo. Decent gas tank. Like, for a guy, when you're looking at these big, hairy dudes, you don't think that they're going to last very long. Delize, he's got a decent tank. Doesn't kick much, though. He will kick, but he's just another hand-heavy, takedown-heavy guy. We're looking at Imovov. I got demon dog elbows. Man, fetch me their souls. Fetch me their souls! Right? Just right. <laughs> just coming at you. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, where you are. He will just end you with those things. Um, puts his hands down, though, uh, when he's standing, which makes me nervous for uh, getting knocked out. Natural body positioning, though. I mean, this guy, it doesn't matter where he is on the uh, on the mat. He's just always in the right position, I feel. He wants he wants the smoke, dude. He wants to hang and bang. He wants to wrestle. He He's one of those guys that he's not going to just go in there and just sit on the edge of the cage and just do nothing the entire time. He's got great movement, and he was still going hard in round five against Sean Strickland. And the last fight that I saw him with. I'm going to go Imovov by decision. But I could see Delize with a knockout here too. Both of them are just, they're really good fighters. Imovov quite a bit younger too. Uh, This one I had a, a really hard time with. And Imovov too. I think his last two fights were a loss with Sean Strickland and then a no contest with our boy Chris Curtis with clashing heads. So Yes, it was. Imovov, I think he gets back in the win column here. I don't think he's gonna go lost, no contest, loss. Delize is coming off a loss too. Twelve and two versus twelve, four and one. I think Imovov gets right here. What do you think? I mean, I have to unfortunately disagree on this one as well because I think Roman Mr. Steal Your Girl Delize <laughs> is 100% probably, 
probably going to win. I shouldn't say 100%. That's a bit too uh, bold of me to proclaim because this is another like, man, how's this fight going to end situation for me? Right. Like damn near every other fight on this card. Pretty competitive after we started doing the research, looking into more so than I thought on paper. But, I mean, man, if I got like flip a coin between these two decided, I got to go with the guy who – uh you know, stole another fighter's girlfriend, which is kind of sad. Actually, the story <laughs> was Cheyenne Vilmus or whatever her name is and how she's running around on her other fighter boyfriend with every other fighter on the roster. But, I mean, oh, Roman, steal your girl, Delize. He has, like you were mentioning, the grappling, good grappling, good wrestling. Uh, I noticed he has, like, a lot of finishes from knees, like two knee finishes, a finish mm-hmm. from the clinch. Good clinch work, which is, you know, can be grappling because you can use that since it is a clinch. You can use that to set up your takedowns or you can use it like he has been to set up your strikes and, to, you know, get like hooks or, you know, like a, like a hand on the back of the head and then the other hand like a kind of like almost like a tie plume and then like you uh, break off with like an elbow or something, kind of like a Leon Edwards So you got a lot of options when you're strong in the clinch like that to either keep going with your striking or to, you know, use it to get like your singles, your doubles, whatever, trips, et cetera. So it's really good when you have a guy like Delize that kind of has that mastery of the clinch. It's just the problem is getting within distance safely to execute that like you were mentioning. That's always the – tricky challenging thing about trying to get that grappling to work in MMA and to get into those clinch situations where you have choices is covering that distance and how you cover it without leaving yourself vulnerable to strikes and getting intercepted by knees or whatever on your takedowns like Ben Askren and other you know individuals have unfortunately fallen victim to so all that being said I just kind of think Roman Delize has the edge he has the advantage in that grappling, in that striking, in that, you know, ability to take control of the clinch and to be able to work whatever his game plan is against Nazardine Imavolf. Uh, no shame in losing to Marvin Vittori. I really like Marvin Vittori. He's one of my guys I uh, root for in the division. I'm a pretty fan of the crazy Italian orc. <laughs> Trevin Giles, Giles, excuse me, that's a bit of a head scratcher. But other than that, no other blemishes. Uh, those are his only two blemishes in his young career. And like I said, no shame in Marvin Vittori. The only one that concerns me is Trevin Giles. But, uh, you know, Kyle Dawkins, I thought Kyle Dawkins was pretty decent for his run. He finished him in the first round. Phil Halls, we've talked enough about <laughs> Phil Halls on this show. I'm not really impressed he finished him in the first round. But once again, good litmus test. Yeah. It is a good litmus test because if you can't finish Phil Halls, then you have a problem. So <laughs> round one finish. What does impress me is he finished Jack Hermanson, and he did it from punches from back control in round two. Jack Hermanson is not a good striker, but he is a really good grappler, and he is really good at subs. And for him to be finished from punches from back control, it's not something that you see too often uh, when you're supposed to be a good grappler to kind of get yourself in a position like that to get finished by strikes from uh, a back take. So it's impressive that Delize was able to accomplish that against Jack Hermanson. So things like that are what give me the, or what lead me to give the edge to Roman Delize. 
because everything else in terms of the age, I mean, yeah, 27, Nazardine, Imavov, Delize is 35, but, you know, neither guy has a lot of miles. 35 is not a senior citizen, despite what society may tell you, you know. <laughs> Neither one's taken a lot of damage. Neither one's been in a lot of wars. Neither one has like a crazy amount of fights like somebody like Drew Dober with all the wear and tear. Uh, 6'3", Imavov, Delize, 6'2", so that's not a huge discrepancy. Reach is like one inch. So, when, I mean, when all things are considered like this, like you're already seeing on your screen, I'm not going to, you know, nauseate you with stuff you're already seeing on your screen flashing. I just like Delize for you know those kind of intangible things that you can't really quantify like strike count takedown total scenes of that nature especially when you have them as a plus 142 to Imavov's minus 170 i like it even if you want to once again play it safe with the money line plus 142 on delize is a good value uh i don't think it's going to go the distance so i'm thinking since the majority of his Finishes have come from him using the clinch and those positions to set up striking, excuse me, striking as opposed to his grappling. I'm kind of liking it by KOTKO because even if he does get himself in a situation like he did Hermanson, where he's winning the grappling exchanges and he's in dominant positions like back mount and, you know, backpacking and things of that nature, he's still thus far at least in the ufc has looked for more of strike finishes as opposed to sub finishes so that's why i would like i like the odds of him on kotko at plus 350 but i wouldn't laugh if you wanted a sub from delize because that's plus 550 i just don't think it's going to go to decision um you know delize let me check again but i don't even know that he has he's had he's went to decision once oh excuse me uh, three times in the UFC, but still, he's not one of those guys where his power hasn't translated. It has translated, and that's always a good sign when you can still get finishes in the UFC like you were doing on regional scene. So, yeah, Delize, KO, TKO is what I'm going to put my money on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're betting here speed versus power, and we're just on opposite sides of the coin there. I, I – if it goes a distance, I think it goes Imovov. Just I think that Delize wasn't able to get his hands on him. But if this right. isn't a KO, I think it's Delize. Yeah, it's tough. You're not off base by any means. Um, and, you know, every fight on this card has been, you know, once again, this was a card that on paper I was kind of pooping on <laughs> like everybody else saying it was bad. But once you start doing your research, it's kind of like, wow, this is kind of a – one of those rare instances of pretty decent matchmaking. It feels like no fight is kind of a like a blowout, like Bo Nickel. I'm going to stop picking on him and pick somebody else, like Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's fights, come on. You know, they were literally bringing guys who had been cut back for a one-fight deal just to feed to Greg Hardy, who still couldn't even beat him half the time or struggled or used an inhaler. So compared to what we could be getting from the UFC – I'm not going to take the black pill, but I'm also not going to be one of those idiots who's like, oh, this is a sneaky good card, even though it has six women's fights and, you know, only one good fight or whatever. I'm not one of those weirdos either. It's a decent card. Yeah. Uh, Jack Slack said it best. His hype for it is fair to middling. So, <laughs> you know, but it does have at least some competitive fights that when you dive deep into it like we have, 
and you actually go over everything that you can in tangibles and tangibles, you're like, wow, this is kind of a little bit more competitive than I thought. Yeah, absolutely, man. So if you're going to go for a haymaker this week, what are you thinking? That's another tough one because as we went along through this podcast, once again, that's changed compared to what I thought it was going to be. But now that I've went over all the fights that we've went over and looked at all those odds in depth, as long as we have, I'm really liking Delize. I think that's going to be my LL Cool J bet. And that could really come back to bite me because of how close that fight is. But, I mean, I was thinking about putting on Morcano Dober. Still have the same problem. Close. Mm -hmm. And then the only other contender for uh, my LL Cool J haymaker was going to be Muslim Salikov, Randy Brown. The battle of mediocrity. Battle of unmet expectations. So, I just feel like the best bet is going to be Delize at the plus 350 for KO, TKO. The guy, he's not necessarily allergic to going to decision. Once again, he's went like three times in the UFC, but his power does translate. He does hunt for it. He does look for it, and he will put himself in situations to get it. So, yeah, that's going to be my LO Cool J. My haymaker. Really liking the odds on that bet. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, I just got an article out on uh, bettergreen.com about the Sean Strickland Drykus fight. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go over there and check it out. Uh, we got some graphs, some really uh, deep dive information on there that you can't find anywhere else. So go check that out if you're interested and you like MMA content. Bobby will have an article out there as well. Um, make sure you guys subscribe, follow us on all socials. And before we get out of here, Bobby, do you have anything else to close out? Nope, just follow us on Twitter, Better and Green. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. As Ben mentioned, the article's top-notch. I read it. Thanks, and, man. yeah, all these other bums, man, they're not going to go through this effort. Like, this man did all this research himself. He sat down. He compiled the statistics. This wasn't stuff that he just pulled from the UFC website. I mean, yeah, that helped him with his research, but mm-hmm. he still had to do the legwork on this. And it's like, this is just what we do for you guys. And we do this free of charge. We're not even asking you, hey, if you want to subscribe and get even more content and even more things that can help you win money, yeah, it's like a dollar a month. Isn't that what it is yep. for like premium content? A dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. Yep, that's it. Right. So like we're giving you all this damn near for free. Most of it is free. Like this show is free. The article about Drykus, Sean Strickland is free. It's all this content that we're putting all this effort into because we care about you. We care about your bets. We care about making you money, making ourselves money, and having a good time while we're doing it. Can you say the same for the other content creators you watch? Do you believe them? That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I love it, Bobby. Eloquent as always, man. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace, guys. Peace. You better start listening to the Better in Green podcast. You will not regret it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And hey, I'm Dean Blandino. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Better in Green. Hey. To Better in Green. Hey. To Better in Green. Hey. Listen in and cash out. That's what it's all about. Come on, let's make cash now. We always on spot and we cover old spot from the bottom to the top. Hey. Shout out to Ethan, shout out to Wyatt, shout out to Ben. Welcome, welcome to our podcast. Better win green.